All right, everybody, both of you who are listening. Um, <laughs> it's uh, this is our second Skype one, I think. Uh, yeah, it's second, right? We've we've never. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Tangential Convergence number fifty-two. You just heard a song that I think is appropriate right now uh, because we're all going to die. Um, well, I guess we're all going to die someday, Ken. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they tell me. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I plan on living forever, and so far, my plan is working perfectly. Um, it's a problem with inductive reasoning, I see. Yeah, so, I, yeah, yeah uh, basically, I mean, everybody knows what's going on right now. Uh, if you're listening to this far in the future, this is during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, yep. So was our last one. Um, and so we're all, you know, for the foreseeable future. Uh, so, yeah, we, you know, we've been thinking about this a lot. Of course, everybody's been thinking about this. And you've got that happening. And there's this notion that maybe we're going to get going to the things are going to get back to normal. Yep. We're going to go start reopening things. And th some things have a little bit. Uh, and then everything else that's gone down the last couple of days too, uh, with the uh, demonstrations uh, in, in, all over, well, over the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, there was one in uh, Kingston the other night. Okay. I'm sure there'll be more. Um, although I think we're hopefully doing a little bit better at the social distancing. Mm -hmm. Part, but uh, yeah, I mean, basically every state in the union mm -hmm. has protests in support of uh, Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. and protesting the death of George Floyd. Yes, and then like the bigger, you know, the bigger issue that's that, that's just the the latest incident in long, long history of yeah. that. And uh, yeah, so like even I was reading an article today where you know places that don't normally see protests when. Right. Things like this happen are seeing protests. So small and mid-sized towns, mm -hmm. you know, out into the suburbs where, where, you know, the those are usually isolated from that and for many historic <laughs> reasons and right. also, you know, racially historic reasons. Well, exactly. How, sub how suburbs were created and how freeways were put down in major cities and all the rest of it. Totally, right. The redlining. Yeah, redlining, exactly. I mean, which is something I think... It's funny. I saw a thing the other day on Twitter where someone who's a um, sort of an urban historian and he was talking about redlining and he was explaining this to his neighbor. Yeah. And his neighbor said, "Isn't that illegal?" <laughs> like, yeah. Just, of, it is. Yeah, of course it is. But it's I mean, it, it was done. Make, all the officials make a little agreements with each other without putting it really on the books. <laughs> well, it's the same. You know, you want to go back even to baseball, the gentleman's yeah. agreement to keep black people out of out of quote organized yeah. baseball. Um, really? No one wrote that down. No, you know. Uh, yeah, which is interesting. On some level, people know it's wrong. <laughs> oh yeah, like they really, really do. What I found was interesting as a, and I, you know, as an archivist, you know, I'm into preservation of things. But when I saw that the daughters of the Confederate, the United Daughters of the Confederacy headquarters was set on fire, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt that way I too. Could, it's like, yeah, I could live without that. Yeah, and you know, especially like their overall role in sort of promoting the lost cause, the lost cause and all that stuff and you know all sorts of stuff they did in schools making people write essays about how great you know robert e lee was and how noble the confederacy was and mm -hmm. then you know, putting confederate statues in places that you know weren't part of the confederacy in the making really part of the 20th century so i was like ah yeah okay <laughs> yeah, as long as nobody was in there that got burned, it's not that That's to me. Right. It's not a big deal. I mean, I, I, and I'm not normally one for you know violence. Typically, I'm also not one. You know, it was funny today. I heard a, a DJ on the on the serious um, 
XM on one of the channels saying that, you know, um, we need to have healing and all this stuff. And I was thinking to myself, no, I'm just, I'm still, I'm really freaking angry. Um, and I'm a white guy. I'm a middle-aged, I'm, I'm the most privileged class of people around, right? I am an educated, white, middle-aged professional. <laughs> like, you don't get much more pr privileged than that, right? Yeah. And I'm angry as hell. Um, and, you know, it's that kind of thing that, you know, it's, uh, I don't think it's time for healing yet. I think right now it's time for people, for people like you and I, to yeah. shut up and listen <laughs> um and for uh and for people to just tell us you know because I, I have no idea you know uh what this what it's like to, to be, be afraid of a police officer yep i have no idea what that's like yep you know all and all sorts of just unwritten stuff that happens to you that you know you deal with every day and it's the same thing you know, with all sorts of other um, people who experience that in, in Canada. Canada has a long mm -hmm. uh, record of doing exactly the same sorts of things. And, and yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's just time to basically, you know, shut up and listen and support whatever, you know, change needs to be made. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's hard to tell other people that the, we all need to heal when, when really we've been you know we've been okay all along with how yeah. things have worked it's just <laughs> yeah it completely disingenuous and hypocritical so it's you know i i mean sort of interest in this idea of you know to a certain you know to some extent you know defunding the police and funding other things that they, we always talk about you know mm -hmm. ideally we would have more of these positive supports in society and then that would mean that there was less crime and that sort of thing but we never get there no right? that's right that's, that's right. too hard it takes too long we can never set enough uh, money aside or time aside but it's really easy to sell people on more protection mm -hmm. and like in the case of the states where you see the militarization of yeah. the, it's like a, a bigger armored vehicle like I, I can remember like remember when like SWAT gear yes and a SWAT team was like something special that had to be funded and only major, you know, you saw them in major police departments like the LAPD, which sort of, I think, pioneered SWAT. Mm -hmm. And now, like, every time there's a protest, there is this line of, like, all police have tactical gear. Yeah. Like, they all come out armored like centurions. And, like, there's no, there tends to be no... um middle step mm -hmm. between standing there in front of the protest mm -hmm. and immediately going to lob things at people. Yeah. And I mean, no, it's, like it's, when you do yeah. see him at the step, you see people like the sheriff in Genesee County for Lance. That was, that was amazing. Right. Or you see other examples of, of police officials taking a knee along with their officers and laying down there's stuff, but it's few and far between. And sometimes that is even a little bit cynical where they, you know, they march the protesters to a spot where then they're yeah. then confronted with a line of yeah, exactly. <laughs> tactical, uh, tactically equipped police officers and stuff. And it's, everybody's seen too many movies. Yeah. It's like everyone, yeah. there's only just this one way of, of dealing mm -hmm. like, with things. So I, I just think there's this, like, like there's no, I don't know. There's no give. Yeah, uh, that's 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 a, a good way to put it. And I, I mean, it's and you throw in the fact that 
you know, because of the pandemic and because uh, we were texting before we started uh, this, a- this afternoon and I looked it up and it, there's estimates of the number of unemployed people in the United States. It's 42 million. Yeah. It's a lot of people. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of people that have nothing to do. Right. So there's that. Yeah. People have been in their homes for two and a half months, three months, whatever it is. So people haven't been doing anything. So they've been itching to get out and then they're, this happens and they're mad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and people don't have a whole lot of hope in a lot of places right now. Oh, well, it's so precarious for yeah. people yeah. who are employed or even people who are underemployed or not getting paid what they should. Yes. So like, it's just the whole thing you know there's a lot of like you know it, i think it's human nature where you know a lot of us we see outrageous things that happen mm-hmm. and we don't do something or, yes. but you know we have jobs or whatever <laughs> that's and, right you know the things that sort of keep our eye off the bigger ball of these these larger issues and now there's so many of us that um they got sort of more time for that and, mm-hmm. and you know it just it keeps adding up like every mm-hmm. time there's an incident like the one it happened in Minneapolis. Like yes. it just, there's just more. And then we had the same, inc- similar incident in Toronto, where it's possible that when the police went in to, to respond to a call with a, a black Canadian woman, like she may have been pushed off the balcony. Yeah. You know, um, she was in distress. The police were called. The family wasn't allowed to be in there when the police responded. The door was closed. Suddenly, you know, she's off the balcony and on the ground dead. So, mm-hmm. and now, you know, and then everyone's got to wait for uh, in Ontario. It's a special investigation, investigations unit that yes. looks into uh, when there's a, a death that's mm-hmm. uh, where police were involved and that takes time. And, yep. you know, people who see this repeatedly are probably not interested in giving it that time because often what the answer is I'm seeing that even now with the George Floyd stuff where the officers have all been charged where like you see a lot of people weighing in going, well, I don't know if we can get a conviction. It's like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, really? Cause like that was on film and stuff. And I know that systems <laughs> have been guilty and there's a lot of mitigating circumstances, but I heard they upped it though to second degree. They did up it and they, they charged, they charged the other three too today. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing is, that, it's not the answers that people want to hear. No, no, exactly. And the, the other thing right. is that, I mean, it almost certainly is better now than it was 50 years ago. Because like, this reminds right away, I think, about 1968. I'm, a, I'm obsessed with that period of time. Uh, it's got everything I like. It's got Mad Men, the space race. <laughs> it's everything I like. Uh, but there's also riots and all these things and the Vietnam War. So it's not great. Uh, but the thing is, um, it was almost certainly worse then, but everyone didn't have a camera in their pocket, right? They could record video. So this is part of the reason I think that this is finally coming out so much and people are, you know, and it's interesting because like, you know, people like you and I are, are saying, probably maybe not you and I, but when I say like you and I, I mean, you know, I mean white people are, are, are looking at things and saying, wow, that's amazing. And any, any black person that you know, or say indigenous person goes, yeah, it's amazing. That's happened to me. Um, amazing. You didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. How can you yeah. be so dumb? I mean, I have actually seen, I remember this was, uh, uh, geez, in 2013, uh, at, uh, the event that preceded, uh, MMPR, but followed PAB. It was the one year thing that Anthony ran called Vox PopCon, which was kind of fun. 
Um, we then just turned it into, you know, let's just get together and drink in Hamilton. But uh, uh, Bill Dees and I watched a guy get stopped for no reason. Mm-hmm. And Bill looked at me and said, you know what I think we just saw? I said, yeah, I think we just saw a guy get a, get, get a question for being black. I'm pretty sure we just watched that happen, actually. Um, and it was a very pleasant interaction. The cop was, they were they were just talking, but the guy didn't come up to, to Bill and I. Yeah. He came up to the 22-year-old yeah. or 20-year-old black guy. Yeah. You know, uh, and Bill and I were standing there and nobody thought that we would, I mean, would never occur to us to be concerned. Right? So... And that was, like I said, it was almost, it was a cordial interaction, um, but they weren't friends. It was pretty yeah, clear those guys weren't but friends. It, but it really wasn't. I, there's probably no, an expectation on the guy's part that, yeah, here comes the cop. Yeah. So I better, yeah. I better be uh, on my best behavior. Yeah. 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 Um, so the forced pleasantry at best. Exactly. That's probably what it was. Um, uh, yeah. Self-preservation as well. Exactly. Um, that guy's probably brought up by his family with special instruction of how to act around cops. Oh, yeah. That we don't get. No. We don't have to. No. No. In fact, I, I can reliably tell my kids, if you're in trouble, you go, go find a police officer. Yeah. And they're not, there's not going to be a problem. You know. Um, and that's the and thing that, that's... Yeah. It just... That, that's sort of our our normal... Um, yeah, and, I, and the, the idea of, you know, making it... When people talk about privilege... With, what they, I think, what, the, what, I, what I, I'm sure they mean, is that let's make it like that for everybody. Not you have it's, you know, it's it's not trying to take anything away from anybody. It's it's just saying everybody should have what the most privileged have, and it doesn't mean everybody gets all your stuff, you idiots. It means everybody gets treated properly. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, 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 so I mean, this has all been happening, and like I said, people are frustrated but also you know in the states it's been a little bit better here as far as the government support for people that are on uh that are that are laid off because there's this canadian emergency response benefit and you get it apparently within two days of applying for it uh, and it's two thousand bucks a month uh it's taxable but it's two thousand bucks a month whereas in the states i think they got 1200 bucks that is an advance on next year's tax refund right and that's so- all they get like it's not 1200 bucks a month it's 1200 bucks so it's sort of a it, there's a there's a means test built into it in a sense. It's like, oh well, we know you're going to have to be good for it later on, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's not. It's not really. Yeah, I mean that. And of course, then that sparked your big um, discussion about universal basic income, yeah. which was there was a pilot project on that, especially in northern Ontario. And then the Doug Ford government came in and they. Of course, you can't have people getting something for nothing, um, <laughs> yeah. even though you know the best research indicates that that would actually make it better for people who are normally precariously employed or yes. underemployed. Like it wouldn't have to to worry. And and why not? Like people really weren't gaming the pilot or anything like no, that. No, that's it's, that's what I've everything I've read about it. Yeah, gives people the security to like try and get something better, exactly, and improve their lot. Like it's just sort of like. It's sort of, you know, if you try and raise the tides while all boats float, it it partially tries to accomplish that. And there was a lot of excitement around that kind of idea. And I think we may have lost some of that. We were talking, we were texting today about, Mm. you know, one of the things that I think is keeping us afloat right now is we learned some lessons um, 
from after the first world war yes. and the roaring 20s and then the crash and as soon as you know the as soon as things went sort of south mm-hmm. you know every government tightened things up and immediately you know applied tariffs to everyone else and then there was no credit and then just made everything worse so i think one mm-hmm. of the reasons why you know everything isn't completely going to hell like <laughs> great depression yes is that the illegal liquidity to a certain extent is still there yeah um you know it's not perfect but if it everything tightened up like it did historically what the normal way that governments historically have responded to these kinds of of things is to turn the screws on everything and try and you know get things out of other countries so that they can you know at least they can be okay and that doesn't work because it's just like the prisoner's dilemma right that's exactly yes perfect like if it only works if everyone looks after everyone else's interests otherwise you know someone will sell everyone else down the river that's right and, and if, of course you know this is this is the, the the notion of regulated capitalism right the idea that yeah. the best way to you know historically the the, the the system that creates the most wealth is one is is a regulated capitalism is the kind of things is, you know the, the 1950s the 50s weren't great for everybody again to go back yeah. to where we started but the prosperity that came out after the war, a lot of that, you know, the, the amount of government spending was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Think about the Marshall Plan. Yeah. Uh, I get, you know, I bet people did criticize the Marshall Plan, say, I can't believe we're giving Belgium all this money. They'll just become a lazy country. Uh, you know, uh, damn those French. Um, well, Americans often say that. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I no, mean, sure, I, you can't sure. compare. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm, I'm sure there were those who felt that because they're the same people who would feel that mm-hmm. today. They're the same politicians of that stripe who have a certain interpretation of the way capitalism is to work. And, you know, they often invoke the Adam Smiths of the world who didn't mm-hmm. believe completely unregulated, like, marketplace. I mean, yeah, there, there's the invisible hand and self-interest and stuff, but you still had him talking about, yes. you know, looking after the commons and... Mm-hmm. Like because that's the reality. If, if 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 a small percentage of people have all the money and all the stuff, then you just have like a mass of people with nothing. Yes. So that is not going to generate more wealth at the end of the day. It'll, it'll probably generate more fake wealth, which is like inflated. Yes. Um, you know, investments or or uh, real estate or whatever until mm-hmm. it doesn't. Like until one day someone pops the balloon and the whole thing falls apart. Until one day a bunch of Dutch people realize that these tulips aren't valuable at all. They don't get you anything. Or even looking at the Airbnb situation, all these people who are leveraging, buying things to Airbnb them or or they were just renting them and then re-renting them. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly something happens where the very boutique circumstances in which that would work disappear yeah exactly i mean it's it's this uh, i saw on twitter you know that uh, service i think it's called vemo vimo yeah yeah uh i heard someone say that it's it's actually just 15 bucks that's floating around from person to person that's it's it's only 15 dollars <laughs> and it's just people saying you owe me like 10 bucks oh, okay and then that yeah. another person says you owe me five see, see so it's always just there's this 15 bucks just floating around and that's that whole economy um, it's a giant self-sustaining Ponzi yeah. scheme because it, it has an infinite number of people to work with. That's right, but they're just passing around the same fifteen bucks. Um, it's, 
I mean, it, it's funny, the universal basic income, that idea, which I mean, which is really what the CERB right now is. I mean, when you think about it, um, it's it almost makes me think and you and I have talked a lot of times this podcast about how we think that the Star Trek model of the economy is crazy. Yet yeah, maybe it isn't right. Like maybe it's possible that people would work. And then they just they don't need yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, certain some people always need stuff, and some people always need very little. Mm-hmm. And like, we're conditioned to buy lots of stuff right now, and it's like, and we're also conditioned to buy lots of disposable stuff right now. And I think <laughs> there's, you know, we all buy stuff on credit because the whole system is set up that way. Like, they constantly—I don't know about you, but the car dealership that I've dealt with are very nice people. Mm-hmm. But every at least two to three years, they want to put me in a new car. And help with some new financing. Yes. Uh, and so that they can take my existing car and then clean it up and resell it. Oh, yeah. Because there's a very lucrative, you know, resale market on a lot of cars. A lot of cars now are very well engineered, safety engineered, and, you know, do all the basic functions very nicely and, you know, get good gas mileage and all that. Mm-hmm. But that only works with, like, they're always extending credit because someone's willing to extend credit to them and they're willing to extend more credit to me. And it's like it's like the the Venmo fifteen bucks. Yeah, like, as long as that never stops. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, yeah, we get we get the same thing too. We get uh, from Ford about every six months. We get a call from someone, and they're very pleasant and they're not pushy. Yep. But it's always the same thing, you know. You know, there's a really good resale market for a 2013 Escape, and I'm sitting there thinking it's an eight year old car, really. Um, and they want, you know, what can I do to put you in a new car today? Uh, you I know, want to, and I want to say, well, I've paid my car off. So yeah. if you could give me a car yeah. that doesn't cost me anything per yeah. month, yeah, then, and works just as well, that would be great. Yeah, we're we're gold then. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah, yeah, that that'd be that'd work great. You give me a car, just give me a car. Let's say we do that. Do you have a Toyota Freebie? Is that a model <laughs> that you that you sell? The Toyota Freebie. Yeah, I mean it's uh, well, it's like when I, I remember we bought our. Uh, Volkswagen Jetta uh, years ago, 1996. And they, 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 at one point, I, I was we were offering back and forth. And the guy said, "Well, I'm like, I'm hardly making any money." I said, "Really? That's not my concern. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you making money is not. I don't care. I, I care if I get a car, and I want yeah. it for as little as possible. Thank you. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, like in the start, I mean, it's a little difficult now with Star Trek Discovery and Picard because it seems like maybe they haven't sorted that out but i don't know if they're the kelvin timeline or the main timeline. it's like they half figured it out and it, they, they never address it it's it's always the elephant in the room right because i mean yeah. they can always say we don't use money except that they use money there's always talk yeah. of credits except, except when they need to so i wonder if it, like within the federation where it's well established it's possible because there's a sort of self-sustaining system through um you know uh, replicators or whatever that yeah. You know, people don't have to want for anything and they can build like nice housing and, and people generally just want to do interesting stuff. And maybe there's some people who just don't. There's probably some, you know, sort of lazy part of Earth somewhere where sure. it's like they, they just don't do anything and we only see like Starfleet officers and stuff. Yeah, because like the guys that are just sitting around with, with uh, in, in their home holodeck yeah. watch, watching porn and getting hammered. We don't really want to watch that show. That's right. 24 7 in the holodeck <laughs> just this drooling idiot yeah 
sitting in the black room with the yellow line. Why would like, I ever leave? Why would I ever leave this? It's so real. You know. I can be whatever I want. <laughs> but it, it, you know, in other other science fiction where that is rolled out, uh, I used to read David Weber years ago, and he had this Honor Harrington hmm. series, which was sort of like Horatio Hornblower mm-hmm. in space. Right. Right. So you had these people in the Navy and they're all very noble and whatever. And they there was uh, one star kingdom that was very much like the UK. And they had a, you know, they were smaller, but they had this really great Navy because they were sort of more effective on a per ship basis or per person. And they had uh, another sort of republic that was very much like the French. Uh, where they had uh, sort of the French Republic and then Napoleonic mm-hmm. um, Empire, but they had people on basically on the dole. And like so they had this, you know, this top level of people are keeping everything together. And then this mass of people that were looking for ways to escape basically being um, on the dole and uh, just basically having a very, you know, they might have a universal basic income, but it was very meager and they didn't, Right. Have like anywhere to go, right? They didn't have anything to do. There were so many of them. There wasn't really the opportunity because of the way the society was structured, which is very hierarchical and very sort of quasi monarchical. And that reminds me too of what we saw in mm-hmm. the expanse. The expanse, I was just gonna say this, yes. Yeah. It's like Mars had more opportunity, there were fewer people, but they also had a different culture where Earth was like, Yeah, everyone everyone can live, but very few people can get opportunities to be like a doctor or anything like that because you have to apply for it and there's so many people applying there's just no demand for those those people to have the kind of jobs that they want to have even if they didn't get paid any more than what they got paid for being sort of you know the lumpen proletariat right and it was like if i remember correctly a lottery to get a job basically yeah so and then you if you won the lottery you would then have a chance to get a job but i mean most people didn't work right and the population yeah. of earth was like 30 billion yeah uh yeah yeah and i mean this so is bobby, the... yeah when bobby got loose she met a guy who's like i think bandaged her up or whatever and she's like you're really good at this you know right. what, what are you doing he goes, well, i wanted to be a doctor and he's like 40 years old but he's never going to be a doctor so he probably tried to study he probably did what he could but he's never going to win the lottery no. And I wonder if Star Trek, to a certain extent, works because of the idea of the final frontier. So there's great mobility so that the people who do want to seek opportunities mm-hmm. to do stuff, there's places for them to go. Whereas on the Expanse, it's like Mars or Earth or the belt, and that's it. Right? Yeah. Until until the, the event with the Proto molecule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I the whole thing about this is... Like we're, it's like we're in a time, it feels like at least we're in a time of transition. I mean, I'm, again, I'm, I think 1968 felt like that and it was to a point. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the differences, of course, is in 1968, there were, you know, tangible laws that were, you know, things happened. And speaking of universal yeah. basic income, Richard Nixon thought that was a good idea. Like, yeah. UBI is not some crazy left-wing plot. Uh, Richard Nixon was hardly a, socialist <laughs> um so what he he did do there was an effort at the time to do like like they had a there in, in that time there was a decision point around um medical care yes and there was because when i was at rush university in chicago that there were doctors who had been there when rush was refounded in the 1970s mm. 
that had been basically done a model for community-based healthcare. Right. So you don't go to the hospital every time something's wrong, right? It was just sort of our model right now. You would have so many of these, um, you know, healthcare units, and it was sort of again, you know, regulated capitalism. So there would be government intervention to help establish these things, mm-hmm. and you know, they would be they would be placed by looking at the demographics and the geography, and they would be spaced out and basically providing everyone somewhat eco- equ- equitable access as mm-hmm. well as that would go hand in glove with uh, universal health care. And of course, you know, the HMOs and insurance companies, they really leaned on the Nixon administration. They didn't go with that. So what you had in Chicago was one of these things that were like what could have been the model. Right. And still could be the model. But like the universal basic income, you know, people look at that and say, well, we, you know, we can't give that for quote unquote free. Yeah. But you're you're not because you know people who benefit from those things they feed things back into the system. Oh, exactly, right? Right. It's, it's like the spending we were talking about after the Second World War mm-hmm. with the Marshall Plan, where people probably opposed that, but you had you know some um, experience with that government intervention during the Depression and a lot yes. of the stuff that came out of that, and also the realization like we blew it after the First World War, right? Like you just. Mm-hmm. Left it so that things seethed and didn't help anyone. And the idea, using you know Marshall's prestige as well, mm-hmm. his experience to like sell it and say like, look, if we do this, then like we don't have to like worry about another war, and we have allies, and uh, they can start contributing to their own defense and all the rest of it, all the things that you know different groups want different boxes ticked. So he could make it tick enough boxes. Right. And like how at this point, how with a pandemic and what's going on, you know, what are what are the boxes we need to, to tick to, to change things? And I and we we were initially gonna approach this yes. podcast as, you know, getting back to normal coming out of the pandemic and it's sort of in thinking about um dystopian futures and, and the rest of it or or when um you know, the some examples in science fiction when different societies come out of a troubling period what Mm -hmm. does that what does that look like and i guess it doesn't really change what we're trying to talk about tonight it just it it just adds another it's another layer right i mean yeah and this is again this is where the 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 1968 parallel comes in because you know you had the uh, late 60s early 70s you got the end of the vietnam war you've got the beginnings of uh, sort of, I guess you could call of, of let's call it black consciousness going mainstream among the black community. If I follow, if I read my history properly, it becomes something where you know people are like, no, this we shouldn't have to take this crap anymore. And a lot mm-hmm. more people were like that. Uh, and in Canada, you've got uh, francophones saying, uh, you know, enough with this bullshit. Uh, we, you know, we're the vast majority in in, in in this province, and why are all our bosses English? That doesn't seem right. Um, so you had these, you know, and the thing is, people and governments thought at this along the same lines. So it seems like what people are like, okay, something has to happen, and governments were saying, yes, something has to happen. Here's our ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, now not so much. I don't think in Canada. I think generally, so far, our government has been our governments have been okay. Um, 
because of the way our system works, health being a provincial responsibility, mm-hmm. the feds can't actually do a great deal. Um, they can support, they can give money out basically. Yeah. No, uh, they have to have, they have to have a, a demonstrable reason yeah. for stepping in. Like yeah. They, and really most prime ministers will, will definitely let the provinces go for as long as they can trying to sort, sort those problems out before, intervening yeah i mean though the, the premier of newfoundland and labrador dwight ball i guess this was just about three or four weeks in wrote a letter to the prime minister and said you know we're kind of out of money yeah <laughs> um now newfoundland and labrador have handled the whole thing pretty damn well and they'll probably i think some of these eastern provinces will probably be getting more open more quickly but i mean you've got that in there but then you throw on again going back to the states a bit like can you see i don't know the Congress, both houses of Congress and the president getting together and deciding to do something right now. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That's for, I was kidding. I couldn't say that without, without, without laughing. Um, well, there's just, it doesn't seem to be any leadership no. that is willing to, to do that. It's, no. it, it, I, I can't, you know, I work sort of all day, from home and sort of head down because we're trying to figure out how we gradually reopen Mm -hmm. and how we keep that safe. And, you know, everyone wants access to stuff in the library. I need access to the library. Yes. And it's the the stuff everyone needs is essential to their own work. We're working underneath, you know, a framework where essential is, is essential is determined by, you know, health and safety in the pandemic. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I just check at the end of every day to see, like, what has happened. Um, and I just don't see the willingness. Like, there's no, well, maybe with Obama speaking today and maybe with people like Jim Mattis speaking. But it all seems a little late. Yes. Uh, it doesn't seem very proactive. I mean, Biden finally said uh, a few good things. I think and, Biden's been know. saying some good stuff. But, I mean, he is just a guy running for the job. He doesn't have any position yep. at all. No. Uh, because of the way their system works, their their insane political system, um, they don't have, you know, the, the, a person running for president, unless he or she is a, actually has a position, is just some other citizen, right? Like yeah. a leader of a Canadian political party almost always is an MP. Um, and if they're not, they try to become one as quickly as possible. So they can oh, yeah. get... Their, their position is untenable unless they can eventually become an MP. That's right. You know, um, and... Uh, in fact, uh, was didn't Mackenzie King wasn't he uh, an MP from from Algoma at one point because he lost his seat in an election? He might have been. Pearson was for um, Algoma. Okay, I was thinking of Pearson it, then. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, because after him, it was Morris Foster was after him because we got his papers at Algoma University. Right. So, I mean, it's because of that, you know, Joe Biden is just some guy. He's not the leader of a political party, really. He's not even technically the nominee yet. Yeah, he's the presumptive nominee, and that's all yeah. he is. I mean, it, it, when I say that's all he is, it's more than I am. But um, <laughs> he's, so as much as he can say something, he's not, he has no. Well, there's the, yeah. there's a couple of things going on. Like, first of all, I guess. Trump's sort of like non-negotiable and then you don't have any cab- like you have all these acting cabinet secretaries who are like like the fourth generation of acting secretary I know that's just so bizarre or, or it's so weird so there's no leadership there where you'd see someone 
going and talking to you know a Mitch McConnell and and Nancy Pelosi and and I don't see that coming from Mitch McConnell either. I mean, they just seem no. to be writing this out because they know they can get everything they want out of the current president. So they're you know they're rolling. It feels like they're rolling the dice that they can ride this out and continue to get all the judicial appointments they want. They can do all the redistricting they want. Um, they can do everything they want to sort of entrench their position in case they lose a popular vote. Um, mm-hmm. So unless you know the world is burning down around them, they don't, they don't have a, a ton of motivation to do something different. Unless there is some leadership there that says, "Hey, we should." you know, do the right thing. Yeah. It just isn't there. Like, I mean, in 68, you see Martin Luther King's, you see the RFKs, you see LBJ, mm-hmm. Jay's stepping down. Yes. And, and, and doing kind of the decent thing. Yeah. Like, and that's the decency is lacking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and put it this way, when uh, anything makes LBJ look like the, vo- the, the, the calm voice of reason, um, man who would pull his wiener out on you <laughs> that's to right. intimidate you yeah. that would like, just be more like that's just weird man don't do that i will say though he had a fresca dispenser in the oval office and uh i'm all for that <laughs> well he had, he had a button he had one button that he'd push and the steward would bring coffee the other button was for fresca because he really liked fresca uh that's so funny it's so funny what each president has installed like there was yeah, i can't remember all the bowling lanes like yes. in the one you know tennis courts or whatever like geez you know teddy roosevelt used to bring in sumo wrestlers to practice wrestling and then he'd get like uh <laughs> taft to, you know taft to join in like <laughs> that is so teddy roosevelt though i know and then he'd go for a, a naked dip in the you know in the potomac in the middle of the winter or whatever so <laughs> every president's a little different <laughs> Yeah, a little. Um, and of course, uh, let's see, what did uh, uh, well, Obama put a basketball court in, right? Yeah. Uh, and it was the garden that, that Michelle Obama had there. Uh, yeah. Bill Clinton, I believe, just had a, a way to escape uh, so he could uh, get go, go to McDonald's and go find women. Um, it says there was a door that said Slick Hillbilly Exit. That's right. Here, right. You know, we had, oh, it was sort of authenticated with his, his retina. That's right. I feel was, your pain. There's nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed by what's right with America. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. In bad impressions that are 30 years out of date. Um, now yeah. I'm going to leave you. <laughs> I got it would it. be like a slide too, right? Like he would jump in and it would be yeah. like some kind of <laughs> water slide that would take him to wherever he had to go. That's right. And, you know, uh, uh, he'd put his hand out uh, on the way out and a, a Big Mac would be put in it on the way down the slide. It would be just perfect. That's right. And, 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 a, and a copy of Playboy. Um, <laughs> I was thinking he would be more like Hustler. Or something. <laughs> That's horrible, but probably true. Um, Jugs. Jugs. Wow. Um, I, so at the time, in, like in the late 60s, early 70s, we had this, you know, there, there is a a general feeling that things are changing. It's generational, but there's also, Mm -hmm. uh, and there's, there is revolt all over the world, everything from Prague to Paris to Watts. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of failures too, right? Or not failures. Like, you know, you do have those massive protests and then they, they, they turn ugly. You do have Martin Luther King Jr. being assassinated by a white guy. You have FK, 
getting assassinated you you the the vietnam war so you know ends up corrupting the american economic system and taking everyone off the gold standard mm-hmm. and it leads to you know at, at one point the south vietnamese economy is entirely funded by america yeah so like you think of all of that expended you know treasure and yes. what that how it distorts everything which then you get into the 70s and you have just more you have you have a run where you have Nixon still being a dink. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get, you know, Carter and stagflation. It just it because it sort of just ran ran a course where certain things did get better and and certain things that LBJ did before he stepped down. Oh yeah. Were like were huge in terms of Oh, civil uh, rights stuff. I mean, yeah, he he tried to end you know, Kennedy Kennedy. I mean, this was I that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had sort of a vested interest in trying to be better than his predecessor. And like, I think like he realized at the end of the day, like all the good domestic stuff that he tried to do was somewhat tainted and or ruined mm-hmm. by all the, the foreign affairs stuff that they were doing. Like yeah. you can't, it's hard to be virtuous at home when you're not being, you know, trying to be virtuous abroad too. I mean, I know it probably felt like it was, but. Yeah, that's you know, right. Kick, kicking over left-leaning governments in Central and South America and stuff, and you know, propping up a war for a long time is, is end of the day, you know, it's it is sort of like staring into the the void and have it having it stare right back into you. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 gets the you know, and again, the the, the, the at least the military similarities Afghanistan, um, and while it's nothing like what Vietnam was like, it's not like. It's not nothing either. It's no, exactly. Like, it's not it's nothing lot, either. It's a long, long time. Yes, it's a, a long deployment, and it's a lot of money. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's a lot of focus on things that, again, these things we never have time for, right? Like these big picture, multi generational projects where we improve everyone's lives. Like we just can't seem to keep our eyes on the ball. Yeah, and it's so hard to predict. So we were also talking about like you know, what it was like in different science fiction scenarios where science fiction writers, uh, whether it's on television or movies or books, they try to attempt to like visualize, okay, what does it look like after something really bad Mm -hmm. happens? Mm -hmm. And you see everything from, one of the things I think you learn from that is like, it's all just a guess. Of course. And what you think should be the way something happens it's unlikely to be the way it happens so i on the weekend i was reading cory doctorow's mm-hmm. uh, take on edgar Allan poe's mask of the red death and it's you know it's sort of a sort of written in homage and also an original story and about you know one guy's vision of you know he's gonna have 30 people and they're gonna ride out when the end comes like he's a financial guy so he knows like all these things that are just sort of like artificially valuable and you know it's all going to fall apart so he preps just like an original masculine red death you know the prince uh locks everyone in and they're going to ride it out and they have you know they party and and do all the rest of it but what they can't count on is you know the things that they didn't think would come in and get them right and you know it's often in both cases it takes the form either metaphorically or in reality as you know disease cholera tuberculosis like stuff that's been with us forever and we have some ability to control that now but mm-hmm. you no know, if you um in cory doctorow's take like if you've got cholera yeah we do have treatments for that but if you stocked up on those treatments 
and they expire and the end of the world has happened like where do you go (laughs) for more of that right like it's it as soon as the chain the links in the chain start to break all and that's what we learned from this pandemic is like oh i'd like to go do x and it's like oh i can't do that that's right i still you know i can't just go get a haircut because that person (laughs) can't work because it would be unsafe for the both of us that's right and we would be putting you know our families our households at risk that's right to do that and so like so much of this is sort of like fascinating to speculate and other authors like asimov or neil stevenson they've had takes on okay uh, like foundation is like, okay, we have this guy who's a specialist in psychohistory and he's basically planning out the next couple of disasters, like over thousands and thousands of years mm-hmm. uh, to predict what we will need in order to restart. Right. And even masculine red death was sort of like that, the, the Cory doctoral version where it's like, well, I think I need all this stuff. And when this is done, I'm going to come out of my, you know, my fortress and I'm going to rule the world and all the chicks will be mine. And I don't have all the, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, no, no, yeah. the world does, doesn't doesn't conform to your your uh, your teenage dreams, like <laughs> you know your fantasies, your power fantasies. Yeah, your, of your action movies, it doesn't. doesn't no, really exactly, work. exactly. And I mean, the like you said, it's all just guesses, and we can't know these things. And it's amazing how many things that you see look. I mean, partially this is because, you know, we're limited and we would make movies and stuff like that about what what we can actually, the, the sort of technology you can have on display. But when you watch the other day when, when that uh, SpaceX capsule went up um, to the International Space Station, uh, the controls they had in there, everything was touchscreen. Um, yeah. They had uh, their spacesuits look like they came out of the 1960s Star Trek. Yeah, uh, so slim. Yeah, right? Like they weren't the great big bulky Apollo units, right? Um, you may need something like that if you go in the moon. I don't know. But um, everything was touchscreen driven and it looked like, uh, you know, something out of like way more advanced than even when you think about, say, something like Enterprise. Like it looks way more yeah. advanced than that. Uh, and I've been watching rewatching Babylon Five recently, and it's just it, you just have to go. I'm watching this for the story, <laughs> yeah, because this looks really stupid. Um, you know, like CRT monitors and things like that. So even predicting that kind of stuff is impossible. Of course, this leads to the problem people have with uh, Star Trek Discovery looks more advanced than everything in the next generation. Yes. Well, that, yeah, of course it does because the, the show was made 35 years later. Stupid. Um, it's like, move on. Yeah. We can't, it, 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 it would almost seem satirical in a way yes. to stage Discovery with like buttons and knobs and levers. Yeah, toggle switches. Yeah, and levers. Exactly. You Which know. is why I think Picard, you know, definitely went with uh, you know, there are no, you know, there's no like dashes like they had on Enterprise D. It's all like it's all a visualization. It's, it's yeah, a hologram. It's all like a right? hologram heads up display kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which we're probably not that far from, although I, uh, I don't even want to think of what the, the haptic feedback for something like that looks like. Yeah. <laughs> already bad enough when I'm texting with my thumbs. So, <laughs> no, I know. And it, it's something that, um, and of course, Picard deals uh, again yep. with uh, recovery from something. It deals with recovery from a disaster to the to the Romulans. It deals with recovery uh, of 
of all those ex-Borg people. Um, and even revisits Picard's own, like, what what is the experience, which is an interesting mm-hmm. challenge for all of us. Like, once we're all out of our houses and doing stuff, like, we will all have had this giant shared yeah. traumatic experience. Yeah, but something that'll be a shared cultural experience, and we can talk of it. There'll be a lot of fixing the economy to do, and hopefully fixing some other shit, the stuff we were talking about at the beginning today. Or yeah. at least trying to address it for a fucking change. Um, rather than just platitudes of hashtags. Yeah, well, you um, can't count on fixing the economy to fix everything else. No, no, you can't. That takes intentionality. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, we'll have, you're right, this sort of shared experience. It'll be a bad one. It'll be something. But it's nothing like we all went through uh, going, I don't know, invading Normandy. Like, no. It will, it will have been unpleasant, and there'll be a lot of, strange things would have happened and maybe we'll start looking around and going, you know, that CERB thing, that's kind of like universal basic income. Maybe we want to, let's try that again, you know, um, or something to that effect. I'm not sure which, but it's. Well, it can't be more of the same. I no, think. no. I, yeah. 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 It, it, that's part of, part of the problem of, of, you know, dealing with, these issues, even in a science fiction setting, where yes. um, you, it, the story will essentially end up being the same again if you can't really change anything. And, yeah. you know, like, and that was part of, I guess, Tony Stark's arc in uh, Avengers all the way through mm-hmm. was trying to fight the war he knew was coming right. all along and, and screwing up multiple times along the way, creating <laughs> like Earth threatening disasters right on his own so how do we you know come out of this and like not be reactionary and not simply double down on the same old things because we feel like this was just a blip like we like the pandemic itself just showed how fragile things can be like yes you know, have certain premiers who have a tendency to believe it's all jobs 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 and mm-hmm the economy stupid and all the rest of it. And like, even there, like keep coming out and saying, well, we're going to go for another 30 days uh, yeah. for phase one of the reopening. Like they're obviously hearing something <laughs> that even rattles them. Right? Exactly. If, if something is telling uh, people like, you know, uh, Ford and Legault uh, to right wing one, a uh, pretty much a populist goof. The other one, pretty right of center as well uh but also maybe not quite a populist so much but a nationalist for sure um that you know but but a guy who who got elected on saying we're not going to worry about nationalism it's about jobs and the economy and nothing else and if those two guys are saying things like uh yeah well, we're just gonna we're just gonna stay like this for now <laughs> yeah. they must be hearing some pretty sobering things and i i for one at least am I shouldn't say happy because the way I want to, where do I want to use, but it's, 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 it's somewhat encouraging to know that people who I think are twits. Yeah. Even them would listen to real experts when it comes down to something. It is literally life and death. So we, we don't have cases in Canada like we've had in the States of like, say for example, the uh, governor of Georgia, who's just, and the governor of Florida, like they're just complete. I like, I just don't even, I can't, I don't, I have no words. <laughs> I'm not often at a loss for words, but I am about those people. So, you know, yeah, it's gotta be, 
something's going to change. I mean, Anthony and I talked on best episode ever about, you know, you ever going to want to go to a theater again? Yeah. I don't know, man. Well, and by the time you could, life would even really be there. So, well, that's I've also, that's also it. Yeah. Scuttlebutt that Amazon was looking at AMC. Yeah. Um, as a, you know, as a venue to present their, their own stuff, like right? Right. their own programming. And Netflix already had a deal in, um, in France with, I don't know if it was a single theater or chain for okay. them to show their movies because of course the movie industry doesn't consider what they do real movies. Unless, and, unless you play it in a theater in Los Angeles or something. Yeah. yeah. So the answer is, Oh, well, all these theaters are tanking because no one can go to them and they may not be able to for, some, for a while, but maybe the answer is someone with really deep pockets scoops them up and waits and right. turns it into a different experience. But like, yeah, there's so many things that I, I think, you know, I'm really going to want to do this until I know that I can be certain. Yeah, I don't know and, if I'm ever going to want to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet ever again. Yeah, like, you know, it just seems like not worth it. And I know we've gone, I mean, it's so, it's because this is so liminal. Like, there's so many things, even in the 20th century, that were happening with polio and yes. and other things. But so many people skated by not really experiencing it right. that in a way that the world has experienced this mm -hmm. uh, and also in the age of everyone having devices and knowing about it I think that's another another part of it that as we as much as we want to get to get back to normal I mean we know that you know if you do get it it's it's it's, it's really quite serious so you know why would you do all those things and it makes you it does make you question the society that is sort of set up to make you want to buy, go out and buy things all the time yeah. or make you go out and, and, and consume something. Like mm -hmm. it's just sitting here. It's like, Oh, I don't, I mean, I miss seeing people, Yes, but I don't miss you know, going to the mall and buying something. I'm like, Oh, I have all this money in my pocket now because <laughs> I'm not going out buying stupid things. I don't even feel like ordering from Amazon or anything like that unless it's like super necessary. So I, like, right. I just finally broke down and, and ordered a sun shirt. <laughs> so I go for walks. Right. And because I can't go buy one locally, and I and I went right from to a Canadian uh, company for that, right, to give them my business. But it was like a shirt in three months, <laughs> I think, is what I've bought. Like right. it's like, uh, like I already got too much stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, it might break the cycle of that. It, it I could. I, I don't know. I mean, very often when people think things are big change moments, they really aren't. So we'll see. Everybody said that irony would be dead after 9-11. That didn't happen. Uh, yeah. No. yeah, that happened, didn't it? Um, so, you know, I, I who knows what's going to happen after this? Uh, this is a little more intense. And then you throw in the events of the last few days uh, and that, you know, uh, the justifiable anger that people mm -hmm. have. And maybe this is, I mean, I kept joking on Saturday when the spaceship was going up saying, you know, it's 19, it's, 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 it's 1968. It's 1968. Uh, and Steve Cloutier said on, 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 on Twitter, that he expected LBJ to shortly say he was not going to accept the nomination of the democratic party. So who knows, maybe it is 1968. Uh, but I guess we'll, I guess we'll know in a, in a year or two what happens. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Check back in, check back in, in a year. Uh, still here if society still exists uh we'll we'll let you know uh that's so, yeah it just i was gonna say it's so interesting that we've we've in the midst of all this we can still go ahead and we figured out the dynamics mm -hmm. of making a cylinder go up <laughs> yeah. and 
land perfectly on its butt. Yeah, I know. You know, and and we have all these you know abilities still still globalized to be able to access a bunch of things even from your home. Yeah. And at the same time, have these fundamental issues that seem in you know insoluble. Yes. At the moment, because it like I think technology is in some ways easy. It's like you know, it's the people that are 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 the are the challenge that's always that's always it yeah you really can't you know slap an iphone on a problem or something like that like it just (laughs) it just doesn't work no it doesn't all right that sounds like a really great place to stop is sort of depressing um (laughs) so uh you can follow me of course on twitter at the broadbeck and ken you're at ken herndon right yeah, at Ken Herndon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So follow us on Twitter and uh, send us uh, messages on Twitter to either of us. Uh, you know, uh, talk about the, the podcast. You can do a comment. No one leaves comments anymore except for, you know, spam. Uh, and on that note, we will see you next time. Bye for now. Your